I'm sure that many of you have heard about the revival that took place. It started about a month ago at, at Asbury University in Kentucky. It wasn't uh, some special services that they had. Uh, it just started out of one of their normal chapel services, and it just never ended. They didn't have a special speaker causing this revival. It wasn't about a worship team. It was just people who were just hungry for God. And it, it just became a 24-hour-a-day prayer meeting and worship time. Uh, a lot of the time, they didn't even have instruments playing, and yet people would just sing to the Lord. And it was such a powerful thing, if you, if you didn't hear about it, that you just you need to know this. People started traveling from all over the world to come to this little university in a little bitty town because they were hungry for God. They were wanting something more. And so this little town of 6,000 people, they had over 15,000 visitors. Can you imagine what that's like for a little town of 6,000? I've lived in a couple of small towns, and I can assure you that their hotels and restaurants couldn't hold one-tenth of that. So the police finally had to stop people from coming into town because there's nowhere for them to go. The people were lined up for hours and hours and hours just hoping to walk into this little auditorium to be a part of what was going on, and it started spreading to other auditoriums. But... Here's what I want you to understand. People went there because they were hungry. And it's a good thing that people would travel so far. And I want to tell you, when they travel that far, they have a great expectancy that they're going to meet with God. I want you to understand also, though, that God is not limited to a small town in Kentucky at a little university. That He is just as real in our midst just as real here today, if we have the same kind of hunger, that same pursuit for God, if we come truly expecting to meet with God, He is just as much here. I know that God appears in special times and special places, but you know what makes it special is when people are hungry for God. That's what made that special, and that's what will make it special in this house and in your own personal life is when you have that kind of hunger and pursuit, you're seeking after God with all your heart. We need that kind of hunger to pursue the Lord each and every day. That hunger that causes us to want to seek Him each and every day. Listen, in our lives, you know, there's all kinds of things that we get caught up pursuing after, and a lot of them are good things. I, I suppose they're worthy of some effort. But, you know, we pursue a career, we pursue success, or chase after money sometimes, or material things. Uh, the Bible has a lot of negative things to say about that, by the way. But sometimes people are looking for love or romance. Some people, well, they want to, you know, achieve high. They want to become famous. Some, they just want to be happy. I mean, after all, in this country, we have the right to the pursuit of happiness. Some, they're pursuing after better health. You know, they want to get in shape, and that's a good thing. Amen? Listen, some are seeking a better education, higher education. Listen, that can be a wonderful thing, but whatever we're pursuing after, see, it could even be ministry, pursuing after some ministry. We need to remember that our ultimate pursuit has to be the Lord himself. 
And I think a lot of the time, even though maybe we know that in our hearts, we get caught up in pursuing after other things and our time, our energy, our effort, and our focus becomes on some of these other pursuits instead of the Lord himself. He always has to be first above all else. That every day of our life, we need to be hungry for God. We need to be pursuing after Him. You know, everybody is seeking something. It's one of the ways that we were created in the image of God. It may sound strange to you, but the Lord seeks. He came to this world. Why? To seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came. To seek and to save that which was lost. But Jesus tells us, that the Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our Father is seeking after worshipers. I want to be found. How about you? Amen. I want Him to find me as somebody that worships in spirit and in truth. But you see, God created us with this desire to seek, to pursue after. And He wants us to make Him the daily pursuit of our lives. I think sometimes, even in church, people end up seeking after other things other than the Lord himself. In fact, a lot of people, they're seeking after a church that's got the right music, the right programs, maybe meets a certain need in their life, and they forget that it's really all about him. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, I certainly understand that if you've got children, you want a church that really ministers to children. You've got teenagers, you want a church that ministers to teenagers. And certainly you want to come where, you know, the Lord is lifted up in worship and there's the opportunity to worship. And maybe some old preacher will have something to say that the Holy Spirit uses to speak into your life. But I'm just telling you that sometimes it becomes, the focus becomes on the, all the trappings of ministry instead of the Lord himself. We just got to remember what's really important. That that's why we come. That's why we gather in his name. And the evidence of what I'm saying is, is there's so many people that think it's optional not to come anymore. Come on. They've forgotten why we come. We come together in his name to praise him, to worship him, to seek him. We, we come to have an encounter with him. Hungry for him. What happened? What happened in Kentucky? People were just hungry. But in the church culture of the day, I tell you, most of the time, feeling good is more important than finding God. Yeah, he is the only one that can truly fulfill us, that can change our hearts and our lives. And when we seek him, First, he takes care of everything else. Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, a lot of the time when Jesus teaches and he preaches, he You know, there's times when he goes after the religious people. But here, he makes this comparison not with the religious people, but with unbelievers. And he's telling true believers, he's telling us, don't be like them. 
They're always running after this need and that need, trying to meet their own needs. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Quit worried about all this stuff. I want to tell you there's a lot of people in the body of Christ today. They are worried and stressed out and running after stuff. When your heavenly father wants to take care of you, he wants to provide for you. And if you make him your focus and you seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, I tell you, you don't have to be worried and stressed anymore. You know, when Jesus says, don't worry... You know, it just seems almost natural that the next thing he would say would be, instead of worrying, trust God. I mean, I think it's inferred there, but he doesn't say that. Instead, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be taken care of. You see, when we seek Jesus first, to be our king, to reign and to rule over us. When we want his will to be done in our life, righteousness, we want to be right with God, and we want to do what's right in his sight. I want to tell you, when when that becomes our focus, and not all the stuff, not all the things in this world that we so often run after, he takes care of everything else. Those that seek the Lord will lack no good thing. I'll tell you, the scripture makes it so clear over and over and over again that if he is truly our passion, our daily pursuit, that we're not going to lack. We're not gonna, there's not going to be any area of our life that God can't take care of. So often we just think that we, all, we have to do everything ourselves. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I'm telling you that the Lord will order your steps. He'll show you what you need to do to provide for your family. If you need a higher education, he'll show you exactly how to get that and what to do. But we got to keep our priorities straight where we're pursuing God first and foremost every day of our life. Because in eternity, if we don't do that, everything else is going to be trivial. He has to be our ultimate pursuit. Some pursuing financial gain. Some looking for a position, a career. And there's nothing wrong with those things if that's part of the plan, the purpose of God in your life. But it seems like that even in church, a lot of the time, the focus becomes on us being successful, on us reaching our goals on us seeing our dreams fulfilled. Our passion needs to be to pursue Him. He is able to bring all of those things to pass in our life in His way, in His time, and the right thing. Sometimes we get so caught up, we think that this is what God has for me, and we're so wrong. It's a wonderful old example of this about Charles Hayden Spurgeon. When he was 18 years old, he felt God speaking to him, and he felt like he needed theological training, and so his friends and his father advised him to go to college, and so he made application to attend Regent's Park College, 
and there was an interview set up between him and the college president at a uh, wealthy publisher's home. And so he goes to the home and he's shown into a room, to a parlor to wait. And then about two hours goes by and he's like, what is going on? Maybe the guy just didn't show up. And so finally he, he goes out of the parlor and he asks the person that brought him to the room, he says, well, did the man never show it? And they said, oh, I forgot to tell him that you were here. And he found out that the man had been in another room for two hours waiting and had finally left. Spurgeon was just beside himself. He was frantic. And he, he just he thought, I've got to go after him. I've got to try to fix this. I've got to, you know, get this un- misunderstanding worked out. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to him through a verse of scripture, and I'm going to read it to you from the King James because this is the way he heard it. It's Jeremiah 45 and 5. He said, Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. That's not a word that a lot of people want to hear. But it's the scripture. Seeking great things for yourself, don't seek them. So as a result, Spurgeon never went to college. Seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. There were a whole lot of people that did go to college, a whole lot of preachers that did go, and maybe they should have. Maybe they were supposed to. Maybe that was part of the plan, the purpose of God. But hear me now. Spurgeon became the most successful, the most fruitful, the greatest preacher of Victorian England. Absolutely amazing what God did through him. And preachers today still read his books. How? Because God had a plan. And you see, Spurgeon had to learn to trust God. That if he just would seek the Lord and obey the Lord, God was able to fulfill all of his heart's desires. But you see, God has to be our pursuit, our true heart's desire. It's amazing how so often we end up being distracted and chasing after other things. And so often those things end up empty. We get so caught up just trying to pursue our agenda. And maybe if the Lord, you know, he can have a little place in our life as long as it doesn't interfere with all our plans, you know, maybe an hour on Sunday morning. And, you know, no, he needs to be the pursuit of our life. The Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians 2.21. He says, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. And I, I don't think that Paul was... Um, saying that there's literally nobody that seeks the things which are Christ Jesus, but it was such a common thing, you see, even in the church, that people were just seeking after their own thing 
instead of what God wants. And that needs to be our heart each and every day that we seek His kingdom. We have our eyes on Him. We don't allow ourselves to become preoccupied with the things of this world. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, he says, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Seek the things which are above. I want to tell you eternal things are what really matter. Where Christ is above, what is that? Every spiritual blessing, the presence of God, the glory of the Lord, love, joy, peace, righteousness. I want to tell you that all the eternal things, and most of all, Him. Him. How do we forget that this is the most important thing? All of the blessings, all of the gifts of God. See, whatever good is in your life, the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. I want to tell you, it's all from Him. But when we substitute anything for the Lord, when we begin to put other pursuits before the Lord, I want to tell you, always bring disappointment. I don't think that most people are seeking bad things. They seek good things, but they can't take the place of seeking after God. Because all of the things of this world without the Lord just come up empty. And the danger with pursuing other things instead of pursuing God first is that it will dull your hunger for God. You see, inside of every one of us, there's a hunger, there's a thirst. And nothing else can truly satisfy. But there are a lot of things in this world that can just dull that hunger. And oh, we are living in a generation like none other where that's so obvious. Jeremiah 2.13, the Lord says, My people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me. That's one. The spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern was just a water, a man-made water reservoir where they tried to catch water. And he says, they have broken cisterns, they can't even hold water. Now he's talking about a spiritual principle here, that he's the source of living water. And yet his people committed two evils. They've forsaken him, and instead they're looking to other things to try to satisfy. It will never work. And yet... People do it in every generation. I think in our generation, one of the things that so many people look to satisfy that dulls that hunger for God is entertainment. I mean, entertainment isn't a new thing. It's always been around when people try to entertain themselves in some way. But never like our generation in this affluent culture that we live in where we just entertain ourselves all the time in a thousand different ways. I mean, it might be music, it might be sports, it might be hunting, it might be golf. Please forgive me, brother. It, I'm just telling you, there's a thousand different ways we entertain ourselves, and especially now, the time we live in, with all of the electronic devices and all that's available. I mean, for not just TV and radio, the Internet how pervasive that is in a lot of people's lives where it just eats up so much of their life all in the name of relaxing, a little leisure time. 
Where is the hunger and the pursuit of God? I want to tell you, a lot of us would find ourselves feeling very empty. We just turn all of our electronic devices off. Some of us just go crazy for a while. But here's what we would find. We got time for God. We got time to seek after God. I want to tell you that there's nothing wrong with those things in their proper place, but we need to understand that we don't want anything to dull our hunger for God. We want it to burn inside of us that we go after God with everything that's within us. As I want to tell you, that's what truly satisfies to know the living God. So how do we do that? The Bible tells us first that we have to seek him with a whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It has to be all your heart. He won't share you and he won't accept a divided heart. And see, the time we live in and the church culture of the day, it's just, it's okay, you know, whatever you think, whatever you want to do. No, it's not like that with the Lord. It's all your heart. This is how you find God. You know, they talk about being seeker-friendly. And, and I want to tell you, God is very seeker-friendly. Anybody that will seek him with all their heart, he's available. He says, you'll find me. But it is not this attitude that is presented in church culture today about being seeker-friendly. It is, you know, whatever you think, you know, just it's okay. All your heart. This is how you find him. All your heart. You got to be sincere. You got to really want it. You got to be passionate. If you want to really know God, you want to really experience Him in your life, because casual seekers don't usually find Him. No, it's all your heart. But what a great promise, He says, You will seek me and you will find me. Now, I want to just clarify this here. He says, You will find me. You see, some people think, well, yeah, I, I know the Lord. I found him. I'm just waiting to go to heaven now. Praise the Lord. You know, I found him. Got my ticket to heaven. No, no, no. You just started. There's so much more that you don't know. You see, wherever we are in our walk with the Lord, our knowledge of him, our relationship with him, I want you to know there's so much more. I think about Moses, the man who spoke to God face to face as a man with his friend. And then the Bible tells us that Moses says to the Lord, show me your glory. You see, Moses was hungry for more of God. He wanted more. He found God, but he wanted so much more. And I want you to understand this. God couldn't show him everything. He couldn't have handled it. And so as he passed by, he let him see his goodness. And you just need to understand, you see, as we are passionately seeking the Lord, yes, we found him, but we also continue to, per, to pursue him and go after him. Because there's more. This wonderful, awesome God never stopped pursuing him, but we seek him with all our heart. And sometimes that means you got to lay some other, some other things aside to truly seek Him. It's 
strange how that in this world a lot of people struggle to find God, to encounter God. I say it's strange because he's everywhere. You can take a sandbox and stir some metal shavings in that sandbox and then look for them and you can hardly find any. But if you get a magnet and you just stir it and run it around through that sandbox, it's amazing how it will find all of those metal shavings. We ought to be like a God magnet. That every day, everywhere we go, we see God. We see God when we walk outside and see a tree. We see God right here in this room and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Everywhere we go, we can find God if we're looking for him. And he says, James 4, 8, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Are you a God magnet? I'm drawing near to God. I'm pursuing after him every day in my life. You seek him with a whole heart. You seek him in prayer. That seems so obvious, but I just want to encourage you to seek God in prayer. If, you're, if your pursuit is the Lord, then you're going to pray. I love this verse. It just really speaks to me this morning. Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He's not talking about literal water. He's talking about that which satisfies the soul. You need to realize that in this, in this world, there's nothing that can truly satisfy. It's only him. But he says, early will I seek you. I haven't counted it a blessing at all that I wake up so often at four in the morning. I'm changing my attitude. Early I will seek you. Amen. I don't want anybody to think I'm saying you need to get up at four and pray. I want you to come back next week. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that prayer is important, that you need time alone with God. And, that, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me, 30 years ago, the, the attitude and what was preached and taught from the pulpit was, could you not tarry one hour? We need an hour of prayer. And now, it's like, could you just spend five minutes with God? And I'm not saying you need to pray an hour. I'm not setting the time at 4 o'clock or you got to pray this long. I'm just saying we need to have enough passion and desire and pursuit of God that we will pray whenever that is and however long that takes that we will pursue God, that relationship with Him. That Not only will we tell Him when we need something, but we might hear Him speak to us. And we might just have some time just to sit in his presence and just be with him. You spend time in prayer. One evening, John Wesley had dinner with a great writer. And after dinner, the man said to him, he says, well, now that we've had dinner, he said, let's just have a nice conversation. And John Wesley said, I'm sorry, I can't. I've got to go. And the man said, well, where are you going? I mean, it's barely 9 o'clock. Where, where do you have to go? He said, well, I have an appointment at 4 a.m. tomorrow. 
The man said, 4 a.m.? Who would you be meeting at 4 a.m.? He said, every morning I meet with God at 4 a.m. Again, I'm not saying you need to meet with God at 4 a.m. What I'm saying to you is that whatever it takes, you need to have time with God. You need to have time where you are praying and you're seeking His face in prayer. One man put it this way. We should seek the face of God before we see the face of man. Think about it. We got so much time to talk to this person and that person. Seek the face of God first. Who knows what God might do in and through you if we do that. His ear is open and attentive to us. He offers us the privilege of prayer. And how heartbreaking it must be to our Father when we neglect it or we think that we don't need it today. Next, we should seek him in his word. John 1.1 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. If we just try to wrap our minds around that for a minute. The word was God. John 1.14 tells us the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory of, of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. I will tell you, the word was God. The word became flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we dig into the word of God, we can truly find out who he is and what he's like, his character, his person, the kinds of things that he does. We can understand him on a deeper level. And there's so much misconception today about God and who he is, not just in the world. One of the reasons the world is so confused about God is because the church is confused about God. People pull one little verse or phrase out of context. They hear something in a song or some preacher said, you need to know what the Bible says about your Lord. You need to know the one true God that the Bible talks about. You don't need a secondhand relationship with God. You need to read the scriptures for yourself. Dig into the Word of God. If you really want to know Him, seek Him in His Word. Oh, you'll find out. He's so holy. He's just and righteous. You find out that He is all-powerful. There really isn't anything that He can't do. He has no rival. There's nobody who can compare to Him. You'll see that he is your provider, that he's your healer, that he's your protector, that he's your shepherd, that he's your deliverer. You see, if you just dig into the word of God and pursue him in the word, I'm telling you, oh, you're going to find over and over and over. Next, we seek him in worship. You know, when you say worship, I think there's a lot of people that have sought him and sought him in some form of religion, and they call it worship. And I think that today what has become so common is that it's more about good music and an emotional experience than it is about us bringing our worship to God. And I just want to say this very plainly. Worship is for God. I love worship. I like the music. 
But the reason I really love worship is because we are encountering a holy God. And I'm going to say it again. It's not about instruments and smoke and lights. All that's good and has its place. But I'm just telling you, they didn't have any of that at that revival, by the way. No, it is all about Him. And when we make Him the pursuit of our worship, He shows up and we encounter Him. He reveals Himself to us in a fresh new way. Sometimes it's not even something that we can put into words, but just an experience that we had with the Lord that happened in worship. So seek Him in worship. David said in Psalm 27, 4, One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. You see, David wanted more than anything just to be in the presence of God, just to be with Him in that time of worship. And you see, when we're truly in His presence, worries, the pressures of life, needs, problems, battles, they all begin to shrink and fade away in the face of an almighty God. How small those troubles seem. Seek Him in worship. Seek Him diligently. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. He who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And I think there's a breakdown here. I think a lot of people are content to believe that He is. And I think a lot of people think on some level that God just rewards everybody. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. Anywhere, at any time. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. That day after day, He is our pursuit. We diligently seek Him. Not sometimes, not when it's convenient, not when we feel like it. Daily, we seek Him diligently. And guess what? God rewards those people. I want to tell you, when the Lord rewards, it's better than anything man can do. Oh, how he blesses us if we just diligently... You see, that's what he wants. He wants us to diligently seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. You know, sometimes we just get so caught up in the blessings and the gifts. And it's been said so many times, but we need to keep it in our heart and mind that it's not about the gifts. It's about the giver. It's not about the blessings. It's about the blesser. You know, when Abraham didn't have an heir and he's talking to God, the Lord says to him, I am your exceeding great reward. And I just wonder if Abraham really got that. And I wonder, do we really get that? That of all the needs and all of the things that we think should happen in our life, there's nothing better than this. That the Lord himself is our exceeding great reward. That's everything. That's everything. Seeking diligently. And last, this one goes right along with it, but seek Him faithfully. Don't allow your heart to wander. Don't allow your love for God to cool. In Psalm 78, 
verse 34 through 37, it says, whenever God slew them, they would seek him. I know that whenever God slew them, some people just have to mark that out of their Bible because it doesn't fit in with, the, with their theology. That's why I say you need to read the Bible, the whole Bible. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him, and they were not faithful to his covenant. And how common it is in our day and time that when people are going through a desperate situation, they turn to God. There's something happened in their marriage or there's something going on with their teenager. They turn to God. They lose their job and they turn to God. In that time of need, they turn to God. But then when things get better, it's like, we got this, God. Never mind. What does it take to get you to seek the Lord? I don't want to be one of those that has to have a desperate situation to get me to seek the Lord. And I don't want you to misunderstand. Listen, battles and difficulties and heartaches come to all of us. But it shouldn't take that to get us to seek God. No, we ought to serve Him faithfully. We ought to seek Him faithfully. In Mark 1.37, the disciples come to Jesus and they said, Everyone is looking for you. In the King James, it says it this way. All men seek thee. But they were seeking him because of the miracles and what they thought he could do for them. We want to be those that stay with the Lord through the battles, through the difficulties, listen, but also when everything's going right, how much more we ought to be giving Him praise and we ought to be faithful to Him when God has blessed us and shown us His goodness and His kindness. Here's the amazing thing, though. If we truly seek Him, He is always there for us. And no matter where you are, you might be far from God this morning. But if you'll turn to him with the whole heart, you'll find him. Maybe you've known the Lord a long time. But your passion has cooled. Turn to him with all your heart. You make up your mind, you're going to make him your daily pursuit. But this isn't just a religious thing. It's not a part-time thing. That Christ really is your life. In Acts 17, 26 through 28, it says this, And he has made from one blood of every nation of men to dwell on the face or all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And here's the thing. You see, anybody that wants to find God, they can. Because he's right here. 
He's all around us. It's in Him we live and move and have our being. And I'll tell you, this is an opportunity for some of you this morning. Have it really been walking with the Lord? Not close to God? You can be. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. He's there. I encourage, I challenge you to pursue Him in prayer. You'll find Him. Pursue Him in His Word. He'll speak to you. Pursue Him in worship. He'll reveal Himself to you. Make Him your daily pursuit. Don't be a part-time Christian. Too much of that. It's all about Him. Make Him your daily pursuit. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. I'd like for our prayer partners to come.